Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon or good evening. Anytime you're listening to this podcast, uh, this is Father Christian from St. Mary's Episcopal Church in Stewart, Florida. And next to me, of course, is Rabbi Matthew Durbin, who is just taxed and waxed because he is in the midst of some wild liturgical season right now. And so hopefully he has enough energy left uh, as he prepares for Rosh Hashanah to get through this podcast. Are you going to have enough energy? Oh, man, I got tons of energy. Tons he's, of energy. He's a good man. He's devoted to God. So he's always got that 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 divine love pouring through him to do the work. So friends, we're going to talk about Rosh Hashanah. What is it? Why is it? And it's not just going to be at all about the big celebration. There's a mixture of also some repentance and some forgiveness of sins that comes in here. So it's going to be a little bit of uh, 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 Jews for dummies, me being the dummy, uh, but also we don't Christians celebrate and look to the big festivals of judaism we're going to get into that why don't christians do rosh hashanah jesus surely did so let's get a little bit into that as well as we'd be remiss if we did not do that here on a priest and a rabbi everyone please enjoy the show please subscribe to our podcast whatever podcast you are listening on and share it with others who would enjoy hearing a time for interfaith work of a, a unity of love under god's love uh, this is uh something that we we love to do and also to um be a beacon of light in a time when there's a, a little bit of tribalism out there all right we love you um and uh, enjoy the podcast peace St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Stewart, Florida. Next to me is the ever-dashing and wonderful Rabbi Matthew Durbin from Temple Bechayam, also in Stewart, Florida. We are a, a three-minute bike ride from each other, and we've never done that. We've never gone for a bike ride. We will together. We're going to get the two-seater bike and bike around with our traditional priest and a rabbi garb and say God loves you, because I think that's what Jesus wants us to do. Um, you, you are more than welcome, Father Anderson, to to join me as I leave my house every morning at 6.30 to bike my kids to school. You are more than welcome to come with me to bike with my kids. I think they'd really, they would love that. Wait a minute, you bike to your, to your, to your, to your kid's school? Yeah, every morning. That's so cool. Look at you. Speaking of school, my son goes to your school. So now I can say that I'm in some way supporting the temple. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <clears throat> Look at you that. appreciate that. Look at that. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me, everyone. Um, it's so weird. It's like you cough now in 2021 and everyone runs for the borders. 
So, uh, um, anywho, all right. So today, everyone, I'm on this wonderful radio show, which gets podcasted. So if you ever do miss this show, um, which many of you do purposely, probably because you can't stand us. But for those who do like us, um, we are podcasted and we're on all the podcast platforms. So we love hearing from you. Uh, and uh, so today we are to talk about Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, which is the uh, Happy New Year for um, the, the, the Jewish brethren of the world. And why is it important maybe for Christians to celebrate Rosh Hashanah? There are many, many Christians across the world, many denominations. Uh, I say many, but there's a decent amount for us to talk about. It's not some small little Christian enclave in a cave somewhere in you know Wyoming. But there are, there are a lot of folks who say we should be celebrating Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. Why? Because Jesus did. Um, and, and they don't celebrate Easter and they don't celebrate Christmas because they will say those are pagan holidays. That's not what Jesus did. And those were when the Roman church overtook um, pagan holidays and made them into Christian holidays. Um, so the lot, a lot to parse there. Um, so that's what we're going to get into today. Um, and, and I think that what we first want to start with, though, is that <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at my friend here who had a, I got a text message from him way before the show. He said, listen, I need a moment here. Um, I didn't sleep. I thought that was because of his daughters, you know, because he was up all night, maybe with his kids, because he's a devoted dad. Um, but then it was because his mind is racing so much because this is his Super Bowl right now, ladies and gentlemen. If you're not familiar with the Jewish faith, if you know, a, if you have a rabbi or anyone who is on staff at a temple, go and hug them because this is when they get slammed. So tell me, how are you holding up right now? And tell me just the the timeline you're in the midst of right now as a rabbi. So, um, look, it is, it, 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 it's, it's these moments that, that rabbis around the country are inundated with a tremendous amount of work. Um, you know, and our work didn't begin two days ago. Our work really began uh, over the summer of really trying to bring things together. I, I, I think one of, the, one of the greatest images that I've seen so far has been an iceberg. Uh, when you see the iceberg, you see the tip of it, which is the sermon, and you see all underneath. <laughs> the intricacies of leading up to that moment to which we are we are given. Um, so I thought it was actually a brilliant image. Um, yeah, it's stressful. It's a stressful time. Um, it's also just, I don't know, for me, it's also a beautiful time to really go back and to look at, at what I've done or what we've done as, as individuals and, and collective communities and, you know, what we want to change. Um, you know, Rosh Hashanah is a season of change. It is a season of acknowledging where we are and where we wish to be um it is uh it's tough it's tough it's 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 there's a lot of moving pieces uh beyond the liturgy itself beyond the sermons beyond um all the stuff that we do communally you know this is although a a different year than we were faced with last year of having uh all of our services completely and utterly virtual you know this year we are uh doing a hybrid of both uh although we're in a limited capacity this year um, with social distancing and we're requiring everyone to wear masks as they come in and, you know, to, to stop as much mingling as we can just to be as safe as we can. Um, and then we also have the ability to stream so that others are able to, uh, you know, enjoy uh, the holidays with us. But All right, um, so yeah. break down this theological journey that's happening or even just for the formation of, of the people of Temple Bacham. You, you, so it's Rosh Hashanah, you're about to hit it. It's the new year. Uh, but what 
just happened. So to give us a, a Jews for dummies, and I'm the dummy. What what uh, surprise? What happened before this that led us to the new year? Yeah, so that's a great question, um, because it's not as if we just get to what we call in Hebrew the first of Tishrei, which is when Rosh Hashanah occurs, um, that there is stuff that happens before then. Um, so the stuff that happens before then is generally, um, you know, August or so, we hit in the Hebrew month, the month of which we call Elul. Uh, Elul is an acronym, right? So Elul means... Ani ledodi vedodi li. Um, Aleph Lamed Vav Lamed, hmm. which is an acronym. Uh, it comes from the Psalms, right? It, it means I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me. Oh, that's and, in the Psalms? Yes. Sounds like Song of Solomon, too. Yep. So when we, when, we, when, we, when, we, when, we, when we experience this, there is this moment that we say for 30 days or so that this is the month that we really actually take a pause, take a moment, and really see who and what we are. Right. So it's about recognition of perhaps missteps or misdeeds that we've done in the past, uh, perhaps actions that we have not followed through with. Um, you know, we're really told that we're, 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 we're to beg forgiveness in some way to, to God, to our fellow human beings. Uh, and more, uh, you know, uh, the, the hardest one of the three, I think, is the last one, which is to say to ourselves, I'm sorry, forgive me. Um, you know, sorry, so you're saying sorry to God? Sorry to myself. Okay. Right? So individuals, others, our friends, our family, our community, to ask forgiveness. The second would be to ask forgiveness from God. And the third is to say to ourselves, I'm sorry. And so I forgive people, myself. God, self. Yes. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Now, is the, does, does the liturgy support that? And are there any prayers that you do and things that you instruct your congregants to do um, to to physical i don't know to materialize that or is it really just more you give direction and say no do that on your off time no and, and again that's a great question because even in our liturgy um on rosh hashanah and yom kippur certainly for our liturgical services there are what we call vidui uh which is confession and it's to say forgive me god for the sin i have committed against you for um uh, abuse of power uh, forgive me, God, for the sin that I have committed against you by speaking malicious gossip. Forgive me, God, for it. So there's all these items that we're actually, we're actually saying out loud to God to forgive me. Forgive me for uh, not being honest in my work. Forgive me, God, for um, ignoring my family. Forgive me, God, for being xenophobic. You know, forgive me, God, for, you know, all these things. So it, it, it really... You know, when I look at the liturgy and I look at the power of what Rosh Hashanah and certainly what we call the Yamim Noraim, and that means just the days of awe, which would be Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, that those really are the times where we can sit amongst our friends, our community, and really ponder and think about what we've done. Um, That's this last month. This is the whole month leading up to Rosh Hashanah. So the last month leading up to Rosh Hashanah really is the time where we introspectively look at who we are and we take stock of our lives. Then we get to this moment, which we call Slichot. Now, Slichot itself is a service of forgiveness. So Jews around the world congregate together. It generally is around the, the last Shabbat of the year. For us, it happened to be last Saturday night. And we okay. transition. It's a transitional moment. So after Shabbat ends... We do what we call Havdalah, which Havdalah is the separation of Shabbat. And then we bless the week that we are going into. 
And um, what we do as a synagogue, as many communities do, is that we have the opportunity to change out our Torah mantles. Now, we may say, what is a Torah mantle? If we can think about the scroll of Torah, and they have their, their, their gown, their dress, their, their outfit, so to speak. So the outfits themselves, they wear them, the Torahs wear them, 11 months of the year. For the month that we're in, we change out those Torah mantles to pristine white Torah mantles so that we change them out. And they will remain all the way to what we call Simcha Torah after Sukkot, after one of our fall harvests that when we start our cycle all over again, and then we'll change back our Torah mantles. But we, we change out this, our, our Torah mantles themselves. So we did this process, and we did a little text study, a little service last Saturday night, kind of gearing up towards. So it really is getting into the moment where we're really able to submit ourselves in some way to God and to our community. Okay, so, so I've always under the impression, I think some Christians are under the impression that Yom Kippur, is really the time that where it gets this deep word inward reflection. Let me come to God, come to my neighbor, and come to myself and seek forgiveness. Uh, it's really that's what just happened over the last month. And when that time happens, and Yom Kippur is just more of like a time to, I don't know, make that official or or to, to explain this to me because I've I've always associated it like Ramadan, Yom Kippur, and then for the Christians, Lent at the same time. And Lent is that 40 days of deep repentance and penitential time. Um, it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like it's just this last month of Elul. I think I think when we look at it, I think I think in some way in some way there are uh there is an understanding of uh slight misnomers. Right? On the one hand, as you said, look, Yom Kippur a, a, I mean, that's the day of days, right? It's the day of repentance, right? But in some way, we've had 30 days leading up to Rosh Hashanah to really take stock of who we are. We have Rosh Hashanah itself. And then in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, you have 10 days. And those 10 days are known as the 10 days of repentance. So it's really those times, those 10 days, to really beg forgiveness from God, from ourselves, and from others to whom we may have So even them. more so, you were doing that during the month of Elul, but then you're not done yet, sir. So then you're going to get through Rosh Hashanah, you're going to blow the horn, which we'll get into, you're going to party, and then you're going to kick it into high gear for 10 days, and that's when you're going to whip yourself over the back and say, forgive me for being mean to Father Christian. So, but I think, I think what it does is it says, look, you've had 30 days and that month of Elul that says, you know what, and now I'm really just going to, I'm going to introspectively, bird's eye view, kind of take a stock of who I am, right? So for those 30 days, I might think to myself, you know, maybe I wasn't as kind to Father Anderson in the past year, right? So there's, there's the recognition and the ownership during Elul. And I think that during those 10 days, that's when the action is to happen, right? So for me to get on the phone or me to call you and say, look, Father Anderson, I apologize for, you know, a comment I said to you, or if I was short with you, or this, that, and the other right? Those 10 days are really the 10 days of action to really, you know, stand by your words, stand by your feelings and try and make, make it better in some way so that uh, there is some, some recognition, some, some semblance of, of, of working, working towards the goal to which you set for yourself. 
Okay, so that that that's really where the rubber hits the road. Are those are those ten days to actually do it? So then you, as a rabbi, are you instructing your people, your congregants during that time to take action and helping them do that? And then do you ever have people come into your office just saying, uh, "Rabbi, I can't do this," or do you do you feel like do you feel like I mean, idealistically, as a, as a clergyman, you're hoping that everyone's going through this this life cycle you're talking about or this this journey. Um, do you do you think there's people who are actually doing that? They spend the month, you know, doing that introspection, thinking about this, and then they get to the new year and they say, okay, now before I get to Yom Kippur, I'm going to take action. I'm going to actually seek forgiveness from people. I'm going to actually apologize. I'm going to call my girlfriend from, you know, high school and say, you know what, I was kind of a jerk, and please forgive me. Do you do you feel like people get into this because this all gets to this idea that. Ladies and gents, you know, religion is not just a bunch of traditions for the heck of it. <laughs> this is life cycle stuff. This is what makes us and reveals who we really are as people of God. I mean, I think, I think that that's the structure for us is to be able to say that there are structural moments throughout our lives, especially during the season, that we really are. It's not just good enough to say, I'm sorry. You got to own it, right? You got to feel it, right? Um, you know, I, I, I think in some way, most Jews get it wrong right? We say, oh, Rosh Hashanah, celebration, woo! happy new year, happy new year. Yes, it is a new year, but we also have four of them, right? This is, right, we have four new years in our Jewish tradition. We have Rosh Hashanah, we have Tu B'Shvat, the celebration of the trees, we have Passover, right? All of these times that are in some way new years for us. Hmm. This is the new year, and I think instead of it also being a celebratory time, which it is, it's also a very terribly serious holiday. It's a time really where we're asking forgiveness. Because on Yom Kippur, although Yom Kippur is the most solemn of solemn holidays for us as Jews, you know, our tradition teaches us that if you have not made amends by Yom Kippur, time's up. We're told mm. at the end of our service, which we call in the Ilah, is that the gates of repentance are slowly beginning to close, which means that we've had ample time to be able to try and learn from our past mistakes and to try and change them in some way. You know, I um, you asked about that, uh, that, that, that moment, right, where you call up, say, uh, a, a prior girlfriend in high school. Hopefully she, you know, uh, crosses off your name of those two. Uh, she probably wouldn't respond and not even entertain my phone call, but sure, go ahead. Right. Um, and I'm reminded many years ago uh, when I was in rabbinical school, I had a good friend of mine. Um, she happened to be the, the first female rabbi uh, in Berlin, in Germany, uh, since the Nazis closed the uh, closed the rabbinical seminary seminaries, I should say. Um, and I remember one one year it was in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And she gave me a call and said, you know, Matt, please forgive me. Forgive me for not being honest with you. Forgive me for whatever it may have been. And, and I took this approach and I said, you know, don't worry about it. And she said, you're not listening. And there was like a lot of tension, and a lot of emotion. And she said, you're not listening. You're just saying it. Please forgive me. And I've never forgotten that conversation because after I got off the phone and I thought to myself, I sloughed it off. I said, don't worry about it. I've, I've, I've got thick skin. It's really not a big deal. And I remember thinking to myself, it may not be a big deal for me, but for her, it was a big deal. She was asking for my forgiveness that I could give very little authority and credence to. I sloughed it off. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Let's move forward. New year. And I remember really thinking about this long and hard for a long time 
Uh, this is a woman, and this is a person who poured out her thoughts and her inner devotion and her inner feeling of saying, if I have harmed you in the past, verbally, you know, emotionally, whatever it may be, please, I am, I am seeking your forgiveness. All right, so I have, I, have, I, have a, I have a question here. It's coming in from our friends on our Facebook live feed. So if uh, some of you who want to actually see what we look like, um, <clears throat> just just so you know, Rabbi Dermot is a much better looking guy than me, so just stay focused on him. But if you do, you can go on our Facebook page, a priest and a rabbi podcast, and be seeing us in, 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 in the flesh. Um, and, but Matthew Tolman um, is, is on here, and Matthew Tolman asks, um, are these confessions specific? Or are they categorical, i.e., which commandment was to, to violate as opposed to what specifically happened? Um, which commandment was was violation as opposed to what specifically happened? So, um, so, so, are 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 there? Do is it just a one size fits all confession this time, leading up to Rosh Hashanah and going into Yom Kippur, um, or, or or do you categorize them? Um, as I, as the Catholic church would, would have, would rank the sins sometimes. I mean, there's grievous sins and then there's kind of minor ones. Um, Jesus talks about though, that any kind of break of the law, you break all the laws. So let's not rank them. You know, you being mean to your neighbor is, is equal to you killing your neighbor. So let's just be the best person we can be and not say, eh, it was just a little thing. So for you, rabbi, and to honor Matthew's question, um, are, are, are the confessions and maybe those used in liturgy, are they specific to particular types of sin? Because you in your liturgy were, were, were saying, um, and we have something similar in the Episcopal Church, this, um, they, there was, I'm, I, I, I'm sorry for all, of, forgive me for all these different kinds of sins. So do you categorize them? Um, you know, they are categorized in some way. I think that in some way they're also very blanketed, so they're very open for interpretation. But in some way they are also very, very, very specific in terms of what we're actually seeking and what we're actually asking forgiveness of and for. Are you flipping through the Torah right now? We hear pages turning, sir. Are you getting about to get <laughs> biblical on us? Or, or, or are you looking through how to be a rabbi 101 to answer this question? Yeah, no, that's that. That's it. I'm looking. You know, what what can I do to 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 make this more? Um, no, I mean, you know, when we look when we look at the at the vidui itself, we have we have two. We have one which we call the short vidui, which is generally this understanding where it says, "Forgive me, God, for being slanderous. Forgive me, God, for being um um uh, yeah, yeah short tempered. Forgive me, God." So they are specific into our actions, our deeds our language, right? It, it, it's to remind us that our words have value, our words have impact and meaning, right? There is a tradition that we have in, 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 in Judaism that when we do the short confession, um, our tradition in our congregation is to stand and we take our hand, our fist, and we beat our chest oh. for, each, for each sin. For Stop it. You still do that? Of bigotry. Oh, I love that. Right, so it actually goes, and we actually sing it. It's actually a beautiful uh, 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 moment. We say, Asham new, Bagad new, Gazal new, Dibarnu dofi. And all of these words um, have special meaning. So forgive me, God, for Hamasnu, for being violent, right? Violent in my nature, violent in my words, whatever it may be. So there's a slight ambig ambiguity as to, right? I mean, you could say, forgive me, God, for being violent. Well, what does that mean? 
right? Is it violent in my words? Is it violent in my temperament? Is it, right, my body language, right? Is it just, you know, what the word means? But, you know, we symbolically and actually physically beat our chest to beat our heart, not hard enough that it hurts, but hard enough to feel it. So that we're actually taking the words and the action and putting it upon our chest. But that's the beauty of the liturgy, I think, that you and I both practice within our respective uh, of of traditions and faith is even that as Episcopalians, we do the smoke, we do things that are tactile. You guys also have a sacramental aspect to it. I'm not saying you're sacramental, but there's a sacramental aspect. You touch, you say, you feel. We're human beings. We have these senses. And this, this beating to feel the, the this this um, to feel maybe maybe helps you to feel like the the sin maybe helps you to do a little bit of um, I guess the vulnerability and the saying God come into my heart um, and and it's not to really hurt and to just to to beat yourself up um, but I, I think that's pretty effective even if it's a slight tap for someone is directing God into your heart please forgive this part of me and even if there's a part of you just saying I feel horrible for what i've done and this is a tap to my heart you know if you want to do a little beat but then you let it go that's the whole point of confession so let it go we, we have another great question coming in from rhoda johnson uh, rhoda johnson says christians tell their priests their sins and we tell god our sins uh, rhoda this is a fantastic question um and so many of you might be wondering why are you guys talking so much about confession and forgiveness this is rosh hashanah for god's sake um we, we should be sorry i didn't mean to take the lord's name in vain this, this is rosh hashanah for something's sake, that, that it's all about celebration. But what we're revealing through the rabbis that actually we've had a culmination of a time of, of reflection um, that's leading into this new year, that where there is, um, we're looking at our sins. So let, let, let's, let, me, let me quickly respond to Rhoda, and then we're going to take a break and come back and talk about should Christians actually be celebrating uh, Rosh Hashanah. Uh, Rhoda, this is a, for, a, for, for a Catholic priest, absolutely, you're going to go to the, the priest um, to confess your sins. Um, in the Episcopal Church, it's slightly different that you can go to the priest. Um, the priest is just, an, is just, a, repre- is just a, a representative there to guide you to you are confessing your sins to Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the only one who can forgive you of your sins. I can't forgive you of your sins. Um, I'm a priest, but I'm a fellow sinner, which it says at the end of the liturgy. It says, now pray for me, a fellow sinner. So I'm the one who's been chosen by the church. I'm no greater than anyone else. I've just been chosen to kind of be the stand-in to help you with your confession. I take a vow of, of, of confidence. I won't say this to anyone. And so you tell me what's going on, and then I'm going to absolve you of your sin, but through the power of Jesus Christ. I'm not the one who's, who's forgiving you, but you can do this all in your, on your own through our prayer book, you can confess your sins to Jesus anytime, any day. You don't need me. Jesus did the work. It's all done. He's the son of God. You can always go to him. Slightly different in the denomination of there's any Catholics on the line and um, you, you differ or you think I didn't represent the faith well enough, please let me know. Um, but that, that's where we go as a church. All right, guys. So great question, Rhoda. Please questioning in. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, this is all great stuff. Um, so we're going to just take a quick break to hear from all the people who make this all possible. And then we come back. Should Christians who follow a guy who is a rabbi, a committed rabbi and Jew, should, shouldn't they be celebrating then Rosh Hashanah, Passover, Sukkot, all the big feasts and festivals? And we're going to get into that right when we come back here on A Priest and a Rabbi. Stay tuned.
everyone. It's Evan Nine, producer of A Priest and a Rabbi. Thank you for tuning in and being part of this community. We love developing new partnerships with this podcast to help further the interfaith movement. To join us, please email Father Christian at yourfavoritechristian at gmail.com. You can have an advertisement right here on this podcast, which is currently heard across the USA and in 34 other countries. Thanks for being here, and do not forget to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you're listening from. Now back to A Priest and a Rabbi. Welcome back to the award-winning Priest and a Rabbi radio show with Father Christian and Rabbi Durbin. Let's get ready for the second half of the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to A Priest and a Rabbi. This is Father Christian from St. Mary's Episcopal Church. And next to me is Rabbi Durbin from Temple Beth Chaim. And our producer is working at some sound system issues. So this is live radio. This is what happens. Right now, it sounds like he is in Area 54 trying to talk to aliens. Um, okay, that's a little bit better. All right, everyone. So in the first half of this show, if you're just joining us, we were talking about Rosh Hashanah, which is coming upon us. And this priest is wondering, what, what is Rosh Hashanah all about? So in the first half, Rabbi Durbin talked about that, but kind of flipped the script on Rosh Hashanah. So as a Gentile, I'll tell you, to me, it always seemed like a time of celebration. Um, we will hear before we leave the horn, the ram horn, uh, the shofar, which will be blown. It's a time of celebration and dancing. I'm doing New Year's Eve, Times Square, big party, um, and, and that's it. But, but what Rabbi Durbin was reflecting on is that there's actually a month of Lou that, that, that leads into it, which is a deep time of reflection to be our sins where we missed the mark um then let's get a new year let's start afresh start anew but immediately start then 10 days of putting it to action all of that deep reflection that we had where do we miss the mark as human beings and trying to be true true children of god and then you have 10 days then before the gates close the gates close of confession which i love it's powerful but i think i think it's also as you just said which is you know how have i missed the mark right so in some way and I love the language because it's certainly the language we use as well, is that if I have missed the mark, that there is ownership and acknowledgement, right? You have changed in some way, right? So I think that it's that recognition. How have I missed the mark? What have I done? What have I not done that has gotten me to this moment or to this point where I am in my life? And then you get right. 10 days. This is, this is big stuff. I love this. This is um, raise the bar on, on all of us. You get 10 days before the, the gates of confession close. And then after that, good luck, everyone. God gave you the time. Um, so th- th- some people might say that, that's a little intense. But I think as human beings, we res- sometimes if you use a little bit of fear, not a lot of a bit of fear, but a little bit of fear, that's what gets us out of bed. That's what helps you study harder for the exam. That's what helps you get up earlier to get the project done. Um, a little bit of fear. That's what helps you save your kid's life because you're a little bit worried that he might fall off that table and I got to go over there and, and secure him. Um, and so this is like you get 10 days to finally call that person, make amends, whatever you need to do before the gates of, of confession close. Um, you, you all might not agree with that. That's fine. You can put that in the comments section. Uh, but this is, again, religion gives us a structure, gives us a way to be able to deepen our relationship with God and with our neighbor um, it's not and, and i think it's it, you know mo- most importantly it's exactly what you just said right there is it gives us structure 
I think that's what, at least for me, the beauty and the the just uh, just the emotional moment leading up to Rosh Hashanah, and certainly Rosh Hashanah itself and Yom Kippur, is a time really of great structure. It structures our lives. It tells us in some way the steps we need to do in order to get to the life that we want to be, right? You know, our tradition tells us, may we all be inscribed in the book of life, okay? That's the ideal. Those gates of repentance are always open. On the end of Yom Kippur, they slowly begin to close. That may we all be written in the book of life, or it shouldn't even say written. May we all be sealed in the book of life. And I think that there is great power. I think that there is great feeling with that. And I just want to turn the tables a little bit. Okay. Um, and, and kind of look at it that, you know, look, as Jews, not that we spend a lot of time pondering uh, uh, Jesus, but I think that, you know, we don't negate Jesus's existence. We know that Jesus existed. We know he was a rabbi. We know that he was talking about the, you know, the challenges, the corruption, whatever it may be that was going on around that time. You know, so I guess, you know, for me as a rabbi and certainly as a Jew, you know, I, 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 I'm curious. You know, we, we know that Jesus, and as he would give sermons, and especially around this season, right, he would give sermons about the new year. He would talk about, you know, the ways that we can forgive one another and, and, and strive towards the future. So if Jesus would give these, 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 these sermons and these homiletics, um, why is it that Christianity doesn't subscribe to the same by saying, oh, it's a new year, the Jews celebrate a new year, and clearly we know that Jesus and certainly his disciples and his followers after practice the same. Where, where did it veer, and where did Christianity, did Christianity at, at any point, did they ever practice Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? Very good question, Rabbi Durbin. Uh, the the yes, there are denominations. Don't drop your mic. Don't don't do that. You're gonna you're gonna have to ask another congregant to pay for that. Um, so yes, there are congregations and there are denominations across the world and a decent amount actually that say we are yes, we follow Jesus and Jesus was a practicing Jew. <laughs> Jesus showed up at the festivals. Jesus went in the, in the gospel of John. He is continually going to Jerusalem to show up at the big festivals and he's there. Um, and so they're like, so should we, we want to be like Jesus. So they do it. And they all those same places do not, a lot of them don't celebrate Christmas or Easter, which are the big Super Bowls for mainline Christians, saying that those festivals were actually ones that reappropriated or repurposed pagan festivals in order to bring more people into the church, which is true. Um, but it's not like we just made up a holiday of Easter. I mean, it, it's, it is celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, and Christmas is not celebrating trees, which was the pagan holiday. It is actually celebrating the birth of Jesus. However, it did do it around a time when a bunch of pagans were worshiping other things and saying, no, let, let's make it about Jesus. So it was more of a missional thing than actually a historical, historically accurate holiday. Um, so then for why then do most Christians not continue things like Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah? And, and the one is that once the Jesus movement got, got trucking, you had this issue that so the son of God comes and there was many people who said, I believe this guy that you're talking about um, is the son of God. He was the son of God and he still lives today and lives in our hearts and this Holy Spirit came. I'm in. 
I'm in. But these people are, they're, they're former pagans. They worship Roman gods. They might have no, nothing. Um, they're not Jews. And they have no clue about the whole Jewish background. But they're in. And they're following these guys who are preaching Jesus. So then, so now you have, and they're huge. There's lots of people like this. So they're, and they're, they're out in Greece and, you know, Middle East and stuff. And then you got these guys in Jerusalem who are just like, well, what? No, 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 no. You like Peter, who's like, you need to be following the law. You need to be following the ways. We are basically back then, like kind of Jews for Jesus. We are messianic Jews. This is what we're doing. So huge struggle in the church, uh, really divided it. And it, before it was even called a church, it was just a movement of people following this guy, Jesus. And so Paul is the one who really has to, uh, what he's known for is uniting them and said, listen, we're all united under the son of God. That's the most important thing for us to follow Jesus. He is the fulfillment of the law. He is the walking law. He is the law. And if, and it's a relational law. So once you embed him in your heart and follow him and listen to him and listen to the scripture, uh, that is the main thing. It's all about relationship that will transform your heart, lead you to be more in the image of God and to love your neighbor and to love God and follow the golden rule. Um, so these other holidays and stuff like that, they, they drop in and they come down to this big, big conference, if you will, in Jerusalem to think about how are we going to handle this? And it's in the book of Acts. Um, and so they, they come down to three big things. That, okay, we're not going to do fornication. Let's all agree on that. Uh, we're not going to be eating um, the blood strangled. You know, the laws better than I do with the food. Um, and so the, there's, there's the food laws, there's the fornication, and then there's the circumcision. Um, and so, so we got to keep, keep that, keep, 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 we'll keep those things going on to really mark who we are as these people following Jesus who are, is grounded in Judaism. And that's an agreement they have so they can incorporate all of these Gentiles who have no clue about Judaism, but they definitely all, it's like, how do we unify ourselves on Jesus. And we're still doing the battle today. You have denominations. It's not over Judaism. It's just over interpreting Jesus's teaching. So, so just, just, and I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, Please. What would happen if you were to go to say your senior leadership or to your community and say, you know what? I think it'd be kind of neat if we celebrated Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. I mean, I think if, if, if I could see, I can see if you, if you can make anything can work, if you can make it biblically sound, so you can say this, and, and so the first question would be why. I can see my boss is a very thoughtful person. Say why? Why do that? Now, well, I, I do think that. Listen, let's get it's everything for us. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is the embodiment of of the law. So we should live a life, and let's practice. Let's try this on. That's always a good thing you can say in the church to get people to buy in. Let's just try it on once. Let's see what it's like to really walk through and to commit through the festivals and the holiday, the journey of Jesus. And let's see what that's like. And let's really commit to it though. Let's follow us, follow the liturgy. And maybe we'll, we'll, we'll collaborate with Rabbi Durbin and his congregation on this and see how that deepens our faith and brings us closer to God. And, and I, I could see selling, selling that and going for it. Um, it. I don't think it would override our main liturgy, but as a journey uh, it, and it help us to understand who, uh, what formed Jesus Jesus was formed by the Jewish liturgy, is formed by the Jewish law, formed by the Hebrew. So I can see that working. You know, it's um, it's also important to mention as well that especially with uh, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, right? Most, if not all of our festivals and our holidays were at one time linked to agricultural harvest, right? Look at where we are right now. We're, you know, in the autumn, 
uh, in the fall, right? There's something about a, a fall harvest. We're going to get that fall harvest. Um, you know, four days after Yom Kippur, we're going to hit Sukkot, a major festival, right? Um, it is a fall harvest. And then it, at, at, at a certain point in Jewish history, we, we, we altered the agricultural harvest towards life cycle events. Rosh Hashanah is about birth, right? It's about beginning. It's about uh, regrowth and rejuvenation. Yom Kippur is likened to death in terms of looking back on a life and what we've done. What are we proud of? What are we not so proud of? And how can we change in some way, right? We talk about terms of teshuvah, repentance. And really, teshuvah, although we say it means repentance, it comes from the Hebrew root shuv, which means to turn or to return. Who are we, who are we returning to? We're returning back to God. We're returning back to our core values of who we are, right? So there's something there that says, as we turn a new page, we turn a new leaf, we turn a new chapter in our lives, so too, as we enter into a brand new year that we want to try and change. You know, I, I, I've used the example before in the past, and it's probably not a great one, but, you know, if I may be overly expressive with my wife a thousand times in the last year, and this year... I've demonstrated that I am short with my wife 997 times. God actually says in some way, I've heard your prayer because you have tried to change. Now, if I happen to be overly expressive with my wife a thousand times, and this year it happened to be a thousand as well, God says, your words are empty. They mean nothing. You haven't changed. You haven't turned. You're the same, right? And we're not asking for miracles of complete and utter, you know, reversal and change of our character and who we are. But God does say you have to change your perspective, your understanding, whom, you know, how you speak to people, how you interact. These things are, you know, just tantamount to anything that we do. And it, so I, I, I can only speak to the, the biblical Greek in the New Testament, but repentance, and you tell me what it means in Hebrew, but in, I know in, in Greek, it does mean to turn. It's, it's a turning, as you said. So when we are repenting, it's, it's, there is, yes, we're laying down our sin. There's a, a beat of the heart, as you talk about. But the main, the goal is for you to shift and go in a new direction. And that's what Rosh Hashanah is all about. The new life, the new beginning. You, uh, you experienced doing life one way. That got me here. That created tension with my wife. That created uh, acrimony. And now I'm going to become a better human being and make different choices. I'm going to deal with my own insecurities. And I am going to shift and make a new life. And, and I love how the liturgy and the tradition of Judaism gives you time gives you a whole month to discern that and then 10 days to put it into action and then you got a rabbi durbin to help you and mentor you throughout all that because that's not an easy road to take um so the, and then there's you know, but it's always interesting because a part of me that says i advise so many on this process um and i was talking to my wife about this last night and i said you know easier said than done i advise so many uh, there are times where i really struggle personally for myself on trying to put my put my own uh in in, in action it, yeah. And well, that's, that's, I think that's where clergy groups come in because it's, you can, then you can confide your sins. You can confine your struggles, your weaknesses with them, or it's so important for anyone out there, whether it's with Matthew, Rabbi Durbin, uh, whomever you have a spiritual uh, director to walk with you. And uh, sometimes it's not just a, a friend. 
because they, they're going to friend you. That's what they do. Uh, they're rah-rah you. And yes, you want someone who supports you and loves you, but also someone who's going to be hold you accountable and hear you. So you feel safe to them, really opening up and really downloading all of the stuff that's on your soul. And just to, that's the beauty of confession. You have someone you trust. You can lay down your sin before them and say, this is what I really want forgiveness for. I need help with this. I'm lifting it up to God and I want to change my life and shift in the new direction. I need accountability. I need structure. Your religion gives you that. Religion does give you that. Good religion, healthy religion does do that. Uh, and but so that's what you're in the midst of right now. There's, there's a struggle with in some way. And I just want to make it clear that the important part is that individually, that we're taking steps to try and enhance and rectify whatever actions or inactions we've done in the past, right? There is something, as you said, there's ownership, right? I'm trying. I may not get it right. I may fail. I may, I may struggle. And I think at least for me and certainly what I advise others in our community and beyond is that struggle is okay. It's okay to fail. It's okay to say to God, I'm really struggling. I'm really challenged by this. Forgive me, God, but I need strength to be able to get through X, Y, or Z. You know, I, 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 I'm trying. And but I, you know what? I, I did hear a great, I think it was uh, one of our priests at, at the church who said this, that if, you know, if, if you're looking back, though, let's say the last five years, and your, let's say your, your personal development, as we would call it culturally, secular, it's the secular term, but we would say your formation as, as, a, as a Jew or as a Christian, and you've noticed that you've kind of stayed stagnant or you've gone backwards, you need to get back to the drawing table. You need to get back to your faith. And something is off. Something is off. If you feel like you've gone backwards, if you become more angry, if you become more impatient, if you become more selfish, or if you just stay the same, you're still kind of a self-absorbed kind of human being. You're not working the system that God has given you. God has given you the laws. God has given you the way. God has given you the tradition. God has given you leaders. And therefore, that's a time to look in the mirror and saying, I think maybe I'm just doing a cultural religion. I think I'm just going to feel good and grab the coffee, which is not even about the coffee anymore because we're all shut down with the pandemic and we can't have coffee hours. It's really about the word and the word of God that's speaking to you. You really should <laughs> and can be growing deeper. So you look back five years from now and be like, you know what? It's been a rough ride. However, I do know that my compassion is deeper. My love for my neighbor is deeper. Hopefully the love for yourself is deeper. I feel closer to God. And, uh, but if you've gone through some rough times and say, you know what, Father Christian, actually I feel more, more distant than God than ever. It's like, okay, so what's going on there? And maybe have it out with God and say, God, you, 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 you took away my loved one and I'm angry with you. Work it out. Work it out with him and angry. Read the Psalms and Lamentation and Job, man. They're, they're not shy. They tell God why they're upset and say, I don't want to be distant from you, but I feel distant from you because what you, what's happened in my life. You know, there's, um, you know, you asked you about, you know, other ways in which we as Jews really take these, these, these times and put them in towards, uh, you know, action and, 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 and the doing of what we're doing. And we do have a process. Uh, it is a ritual. It's a customary. Uh, custom you did say doo-doo, by the way. Sure. You said um, do the doing, so you a little doo doo on the show. Um, and 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 the 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 ritual that we have is what we call tashlich, uh, and tashlich traditionally happens in the afternoon of Rosh Hashanah, which we will actually be doing uh, Tuesday, um, Tuesday around one one fifteen or so at uh, Sewell's Point Gazebo. Um, and tashlich is the symbolically casting away of one's sins that they've committed throughout the course of the year. 
And traditionally, Jews would stand by the river's edge, the water's edge. And traditionally, we'd go in our pockets and we'd take out, like, whatever it was, the garbage, the lint, the dirt um, that we would have. And each of those grains or each of the, the pieces that we're casting away would represent symbolically a sin that we are wanting to get rid of on this, this year to cast away, to, to really say, I want to put what happened in the past in the past and move forward. Um, and it is a beautiful, it is very cathartic, it is a uh, spiritual exercise in some way, but it really grounds us in this, in this way of being able to you know, catch our breath and say, I cast away the sin of bigotry. I cast away my sin of judgment. Mm. I cast away, you mm. know, whatever sin that I have committed in the last year, you know, and, and you know, we traditionally... Uh, we did away with breadcrumbs. Traditionally, we would do breadcrumbs. We did away with breadcrumbs only because uh, it's not good for ducks, uh, right? They eat the, the bread. It actually expands in their stomach. It's really bad. So we actually use Quaker okay. oats, which is a little bit better, which is actually nicer because the oats themselves are tiny and round that we can take bunches of them. And actually what we do is, or at least what I do personally is, I don't know, I, I think about all those things in the past year that I'm not so proud of, and I symbolically place them upon these 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 quaker oats yeah and i get the moment where i can then throw it into you know the saint lucy river or wherever that's beautiful we are. It, it 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 actually is a and and and, and i'm not putting pressure here and i and i just our listeners, i did not uh prep father anderson on this but you know if you do have the time uh tuesday at uh, at one o'clock or so you know join us join us i all we ask is wear a mask but we absolutely no um, it's it's a very short. I should say it's a very short ceremony, but I think that the value in it is 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 immeasurable. I mean, it is it is wonderful. No, I, it, it, if two so Tuesday at where Sewell's Point Gazebo. Okay, at one o'clock. Mm-hmm. So you go, everyone, just go and experience if you can. Do it on your lunch hour. Run over there. What do you want to to, to toss into the river um, through the Quaker Oats? But what are you going to place on there to surrender? There, there are plenty of uh, therapists out there who do a similar type thing where you write the 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 sin. You write they won't call it a sin, of course, but you write the struggle or the hate that you have towards someone, and you write it in a letter. You take the letter and you tear it up and you throw it in the air and you let it go. It's a physical way to surrender. For us, it's something even bigger as people of faith. We're surrendering it to this all-loving God who forgives us of all sin. So, uh, so let's 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 commemorate that right now about what's happening um, with with this moment and this movement right now in our Judaic Christian faith. And our uh, our beautiful Rabbi has. It looks like a snake from right here, but it's not. That is actually bone. And w- what is in your hand, my friend? How are you going to commemorate this whole hour that we've had here on air? Yep. So, so um, you know, for those that are viewing us online, uh, this, uh, this, uh, I-, I love the analogy of a snake. Uh, not, but um, right. This, this comes from uh, a ram. It's a ram's horn, uh, and we blow the shofar to signal and to wake us up to the season we're in, and also to wake up our bodies and our minds and our thoughts to the possibility of the future, of what the future holds, but also, you know, to hear the sound. It tells us that you need to hear as well as to listen. And as we hear and listen to open our eyes to what the world is, to the possibilities that we can change, and to make the world a better place. So I offer to us today, um, you know, to hear the sound of the shofar. Um, May it 
inspire us, waken us up, and may we all celebrate the joy and the beauty of a brand new year. So here we go. There we go, y'all. I should say, I, you know, I, 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 I tried, I played the clarinet when I was a kid, uh, not my first choice. Uh, so, you know, wind instruments and certainly this uh, may be challenging, but here we go. Here we go. All right. Okay. So uh, hopefully you all heard that. That that was the blowing of the shafar, which is a ram's horn, right? And we did get permission from PETA uh, to do that. Um, and uh, but that's beautiful. So that's great. So that will be happening when? If people want to go and see that during service and liturgy, when can they go to your temple? Yeah, so um, um, uh, we are streaming both on our temple website, which is tbhfl.org. Uh, our services are Monday night at 7.30 p.m., also 9 o'clock the next morning for our family service, 10 o'clock morning service. If you do wish to join us, space is limited. Um, we have opened our social hall doors. We are social distancing. We are, whether you are vaccinated or not, we are requiring masks if you are unable uh, to, to comply with that. We are you know, more than welcome to watch us online, uh, but really we need the health and the safety of all of our community as we enter into these holidays. Um, so that is that. Is that. And also give the, give the website again. Yep. www.tbh, Temple Beit Hayam, T-B-H-F-L, like Florida, F-L.org. Okay, guys, that's where you're going to go. Check it out, um, and we're going to have fun. We also, if you want to come over to St. Mary's, we got our services this weekend as usual, and you can do your do a mix. Go on Friday over there and Saturday at the temple, and then come over to us on Sunday. That is a triple threat if I ever heard one. You will be so good. All right, everyone, God bless you. We love you. Happy Rosh Hashanah to, to all of our listeners. A happy new year, a fresh start. Cleanse the heart. Send it out into the St. Lucie River, and be full of love.